Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 64. It's now been 23 weeks, four days, since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And today I've got a lot of different topics I wanna cover. I wanna start off with some thank yous and some shout outs. And last episode, I asked you guys to send me any comments or audio questions that you had for Alan Standish and myself for our next interview. And Donnie, she's on the Bravery Report because she sent it in, and I wanna play part of that for you. Also, a brand new listener from Rhode Island, she sent us a message and her story on the Bravery Hotline, so she goes on the Bravery Report as well. New listener and brave companion Helen starts getting caught up on the episodes and leaves some comments that I want to highlight. And I want to tell you guys what happened when I went to the meeting of the voiceover actors here. I went to that meeting on Wednesday. And I think you're going to be surprised at what I let go of today. So let's listen to our wonderful inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward, and I'll fill you in. But I'm letting go, I'm letting go, it's a history that never really grows, I'm letting go, I'm letting go, it's a silent wind that never really blows, I'm letting go. Oh Josh, how could you be so good as to make me feel like letting go of things again today? You always bring something to mind. And brave companions who've been with me for a long time, you will notice the weaseling out tone in my voice right now because I don't want to say out loud what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyhow. It's the scale. That's right, brave companions, I'm finally ready to give up the scale. And I'm not going to say it's for a day or 10 days or a month or any amount of time because I don't want to put that pressure on myself, but I'm actually putting it out in the garage at a place where it's very difficult for me to get to it. And I am going to do my level best to not get weighed anymore for the near future. So you say, well then, Lori, how are you going to give the scale report? Well, I'm not. Instead, I'm going to give you the scale of 1 to 10, how am I feeling report. And 10 is I'm feeling fantastic, I'm able to move around, my clothes fit well, I have high energy. And 1 is, oh my god, the robot aliens came, I'm stuffed to my gullet, my pants are tight, and I feel like crap. Okay, so we're clear. I feel good is 10, I feel like crap is 1, so instead of telling you what I weigh, I'm going to tell you, hey, brave companions, it's an 8 today. Well, as a matter of fact, I think it is an eight today. I feel pretty darn good. Mark and I got up before the heat and did a quick 15 miler along the LA River. We did really well. I felt pretty good energy. I have to be honest, yesterday was not my best eating day. I felt like I was attracted to kind of some salty, greasier things, sort of like on the chip range of things. A little less vegetables, a little less fruit, a little more snacky, snacky stuff. And the good news is emotionally, I did not beat myself up over that. But from a body perspective, my body just isn't as ready to, to digest that and turn it into quick available energy for me to have endurance and a good bike ride as when I've been eating some yogurt and some fruit and something like that. So from the body perspective, I could have done better but overall, my energy was pretty good. I slept good, and we got a great ride in. So, yep, today, Brave Companions, it's an eight. And Brave Companions, if this sounds intriguing to you, you can also give up your scale or not. But if you'd like to, I would love it if you would tweet me at AdventureLori or post on day 64, that's today's show notes, What's your number? So you could say, Lori, I'm a three for whatever reason, or I'm a 10, it's going great. Why don't we experiment with this together? Why don't you just tell me what kind of day it is for you, aside from the scale? 10 is couldn't be better, you feel full of energy, you slept good, you feel nice in your clothes, and you feel good all over. 
good energy and one is oh my god what have i done to myself i feel like absolute crap okay so brave companions i'd love to hear from you what is your like i feel good about myself scale rather than what does this stupid mechanical scale have to tell me about myself today And before we get on into our regular topics, I want to give a lot of thank yous. On Stitcher, we're up to 15 people on the playlist. Thank you very much, Stitcher listeners. And I also want to thank the, you, the listener who gave me a five-star rating on iTunes. Now, if you wrote a review as well, it hasn't shown up yet. Now, I could see the ratings have increased, but I don't know when you just click a star who you are. So whoever you were that gave us a five-star rating, thank you so very much. Also, you know, something I haven't mentioned because I really haven't looked at it too much is TuneIn Radio. And I know a lot of you listen to TuneIn on your phone or in your car. And I noticed that there are 146 followers of Compulsive Overeating Diary on TuneIn. So thank you so much for listening to us, or me, and the other brave companions who call in on uh, TuneIn Radio. That's really awesome. Thank you. I also want to thank Cheryl, Sue, and Karen for commenting on Alan Standish's blogs following our interview. Because he's kind of got a split personality these days. He's got the pnpdaily.com which is his new rebranded website and he's got quitbingeating.com still and you guys posted your thoughts to him and I tell you as a podcaster and a blogger every single comment that we get we really cherish and I felt very proud and grateful that you guys stepped up to the plate and let Alan know that you enjoyed our time together. It meant a lot to me and I know it also meant a lot to him. And speaking of Alan and mine doing another interview, in the last episode, I asked you guys for topics because Alan had asked me to ask you what kinds of things would you, the Brave Companions, like to hear about. And new listener and Brave Companion Donnie, who I put on the Bravery Report, she sent in a really good audio question on the Bravery Hotline, and I'm going to play part of that right now so that I can give you a little taste of the answer. Hi, Lori. This is Donnie. I'm really excited to be brave enough to call the Bravery Hotline. You had requested in your last episode, you said you are going to have another interview with Alan, and if there was anything that I thought I would like to hear more about. And and I'm curious, I'm, I'm really following the, the lead of yours to try intuitive eating, and so far I'm doing really good, but I would like to hear you discuss your experience with being able to leave the food and what you're doing with it. Like, like I understand you're, like you talked about eating the pie and you were done with it. You felt you were done. You were disappointed. But what, what do you do with the pie at that point? Do you have to throw it away? Does it, do you constantly think about the fact that you didn't eat it and it's still there? Are you putting it in a dish and saving it for later? Thanks, Donnie. Well, this is the way I look at it. When I'm being successful with my intuitive eating and I am tuning into my body and seeing when do I hear that little click, that little moment where I know that I'm full, it varies on what I do with the leftover food depending on how much of that food is left and do I really want to eat it again. Because sometimes when I feel full and I'm eating a particular type of food, I've really had enough of that food and don't want to eat it anymore. It's hard to explain. It was like, that was enough. I'm satisfied. I really don't want to have this as a leftover. I don't care how much is left. I'm done with it. And if that's the case, into the trash it goes. Now, the same is true like with that pie. Now, I love the pie that you're, you're referring to. I love that pie. But really, by the time I was done and heard that stupid click that said you're done before I could finish my delicious pie, it really was only a bite or two left. Not really worth putting into the refrigerator, nor would it look very appetizing to have that in my refrigerator. So again, into the trash it goes. Now I mentioned on a prior episode that I've actually been serving myself bigger portions of food because I find that I actually eat less, consume less food, when I've got a bigger portion to start, when the portion seems too big for me to eat the entire thing, and I will actually stop eating it. 
So sometimes that means that what's left over is actually like almost another full portion if I'm making a casserole, let's say. And in that case, I will put it into a brand new container and wrap that up and save it for another time. So that's what I do with the food. And emotionally, I'm really okay with it. When I'm paying attention to my body, I know that if I really want this food again, I can either wrap up this exact food and put it in the fridge for later, or if, say if it's a recipe or something else, I can make it again, or I can go to the store and buy it again, whatever it is. And a good example of that is potato chips. Well, you know from my opening of the show that I say, oh, I talk about my feelings about compulsive eating rather than heading for the chips. Well. I've now had chips in my cupboard for months on end. Those, those bean-flavored Tostito chips that I was making nachos out of day after day after day after day. That was my lunch for several months was me eating nachos made out of this particular kind of tortilla chip. Well, I've had bags of these, tortilla, these Tostitos going bad because I just kind of ate so many of them that I didn't care. Now the big challenge to me is potato chips because potato chips were my number one binge food. They were the thing that I would just eat and eat and eat and eat. And usually I would alternate them with some kind of sweet, you know, just like some people eat chocolate or candy with popcorn in the movies. They like that salty sweet taste. I would do that with potato chips. I would eat a bunch of potato chips really fast for that salty flavor. And then I would go eat some ice cream or some candy or cookies or something that was sweet. And then I would eat more potato chips to get the salty feeling, the more sweet until I really made myself feel absolutely ill and sick from the grease and the salt. But you know, a potato chip that's cooked really well is quite good. Now, I have to be honest, since I've been eating intuitively, I've tried like some Lay's potato chips, which used to be a binge food for me. But regular Lay's potato chips don't taste good to me anymore. I tried them and I paid attention to what were the flavors and feelings in my mouth. And they honestly don't taste that good. So there's a brand of potato chips at Trader Joe's that I actually enjoy quite a lot. And I've had that in my house. And for the most part, I just kind of eat a serving of them, like you know, a handful, which would come out to maybe an ounce or an ounce and a half if I were still weighing and measuring food. And sometimes I could actually be done at three chips. Wow, that is so weird. But since I have been really actively working on giving myself permission that whatever it is that I'm eating, if I stop when I'm full, I will eat it again immediately as soon as I'm hungry again. And that's, you know, at most a few hours. So like if I put a handful of chips on my plate and I find, darn it, that I'm done with eating them after three chips and they don't taste good to me anymore or I don't want them anymore, I either throw them in the trash or I'll put them in another bowl with saran wrap on them if I think I'm going to eat them again fairly soon. And if I had finished the bag or something and, and they're really like crumbs and not worth eating, I throw them out. If I really, really, really want them again, I will drive down to Trader Joe's and buy myself another bag. So. I hope this is a good preview of how am I dealing with the leftovers and Alan and I are going to talk together a little bit more. In fact, I wanted to read for you right now some of his response when I passed on Donnie's question and asked him what did he think about talking about intuitive eating versus calorie counting. So this is what Alan had to say. That's very cool to get such fast feedback like that. I told you, people love you. It's a great question, but I really don't want to hold her up getting an answer to her question if she's expecting an answer anytime soon from your show. Plus, I know you're actively talking, talking about the topic now on your show. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to break in now to his response. That's why I went ahead and answered that, that one piece of Donnie's question, is so that she wouldn't have to wait for months, because Alan does his show once a week, and he's already got interviews in the can ready to go on perfectionism, so we don't know when the next interview with me would come live. So we both felt that it would be good if I answer part of Donnie's question right now. But continuing on with what Alan has to say. 
For me, I've been doing my own form of intuitive eating for a few years now. I personally cannot handle counting points or calorie counting. I've also given up trying to purposely lose weight or to regularly weigh myself. Numbers and measuring myself can cause all sorts of issues for me. I feel I'm judging myself when I do it and it brings back all sorts of old memories and unpleasant feelings. It's one area of my life that I'm not yet ready to try changing, especially since things feel good to me now and a lot more balanced than even a few months ago. I'm lucky that I still tend to mostly, not always, eat vegetables and fruits. That's been the biggest help with letting intuitive eating work for me and to keep from feeling hungry. It helps me keep my weight mostly level and my blood numbers and blood pressure healthy when I do check them. Right now, the only way I kind of regularly measure myself is with my clothes and how they feel. I'm a guy and I'm lucky I can get away with rotating the exact same four or five pairs of jeans for years. Any changes in myself, I can sense it quickly in the waistband and try to adjust with just little changes onto how I'm eating. Mostly, I first try to cut back on the salt and if that's not helping, I try to focus on eating more veggies versus fruits and cutting back a little on grains, starches, and oils. If I was splurging at restaurants more often, then I try to cut back on eating out as well, but I don't completely cut anything out. I just try to reduce it without counting. It's like I finally have a sense now of what I've been eating and I feel more in tune with myself because of it. Feel free to share my thoughts on your show if you want, that's cool. I just don't know if I'm qualified to even talk about intuitive eating versus calorie counting considering my own bias. I know counting and journaling works for a lot of folks and keeps them on a steady plan, but for me it only causes problems and a little feeling of panic. Scratch that, lots of panic. Well, Ellen and I had some more back and forth and decided to record more on the topic when we have our next interview and to kind of focus on the whole quantifying question, whether it's calories or Fitbit, Fitbit steps, etc., and the impact that that may or may not have on our perfectionist tendencies. Because I agree with Alan, I've got no beef with anybody who has success counting calories, points, or fat grams, or whatever that you're doing if you feel peaceful and at ease with that and it's working for you. Heavens to Betsy, I don't want anyone coming around and telling me what to do. In fact, if I feel like someone's telling me what to do, it makes me want to do the exact opposite, right? <laughs> so that's not our intention. I think what Alan was saying and what I'm saying is where we are at the moment, we're leaning more towards feeling what our body has to say versus externally looking at a number. Now, Alan's been doing this for a few years and having different levels of success with that. So I'm looking forward to hearing his thoughts more on the topic. For me, I'm brand new to this. As you know, when I started this show, I was on a calorie counting diet. That's what I did. I still had a little bit of intuitive eating going on there. And I had the sense that maybe I needed to do something different. But this has all been a very organic growth process for me. And so I am where I am and you are where you are. And I think that's the biggest takeaway that I could ever pass on for you guys is to try to really be true to yourself, figure out what's true for you and what feels good. You know, even though Stephanie and Sue went on the give up the scale challenge, I knew I just wasn't ready to give it up yet. So I did not Today, I actually feel ready for many reasons, partially what Alan has to say and what I've been thinking about in my own mind. And in a little bit, I'm gonna read you something from Kendra that really helped me today. But I wanna go on with what I was talking about. What was I talking about? Oh yeah, <laughs> Alan and Donnie. If all of Donnie's audio question fits in well, then Alan will use it as part of our next interview on his show. Otherwise, Donnie, I'm going to use your entire audio recording in the episode where I respond to Alan's next interview with me, if that makes sense. So thank you so much for recording it, and it will get used one way or another in its entirety. And other brave companions, it's not too late. Go ahead and send us your audio or email questions about quantification or perfectionism or anything else you'd like to hear from Alan and I, and we'll either use them on our next interview or save them for another interview. P.S. Brave Companions, I love getting audio questions, whether it's Stephanie's secret topic or anything else that's on your mind. Plus, don't forget you can get on the Bravery Report by calling the Bravery Hotline, using SpeakPipe, or by sending me an audio file off of your phone, etc. Of you telling a joke, whistling, singing, or otherwise being silly or foolish. 
because I haven't given up on my new feature, Foolish Fun. I just can't give up on it. And your name is completely not necessary. In fact, I thought of a new one. If you want, go to the dictionary. Go to the dictionary. Find some word you didn't know what it meant. And read us that dictionary word, for heaven's sakes. All I want is the chance for you to do something brave. And for me to put that something brave on the show for all of us to hear. So... I'm going to give you a few more chances and who knows, maybe some new brave companions who would like to do that will listen. So foolish fun, I'm still giving you another chance. But speaking of names not being necessary, Also on the Bravery Report is a new listener and brave companion from Rhode Island who called the Bravery Hotline. She gives permission to use her voice, but not her name yet. So please give a listen to the story of our new listener. And as you will hear, she's never said these things to anyone else before. Hi, Lori. I've been listening to your podcast for a couple weeks now. Um, I haven't posted anything on your blog, so this is my first time reaching out to you, and I just wanted to say hi, Um, and thank you so much for your podcast. It has been really inspirational to me, and um, I've been a a secret follower for, uh, for a little while, and I just wanted to make myself known and let you know that there's someone in Rhode Island who's listening to you and very appreciative and excited for all the work that you're doing with um, uh, compulsive overeating. Um, I have not ever talked with anyone about this issue before, and it's really nice to be able to get some information and insight on it without having to go through the Um, kind of a scary experience of making myself known and talking to my friends about it. And um, honestly, this is not even something I've talked to my therapist about. So uh, this is really the first time that um, I feel like I've connected with you over this, even though it's funny, you don't know who I am until today. Um, But I feel like we've connected, um, which is why I wanted to call you. And uh, have it go two ways, Um, because it would be unfair of me to just kind of absorb all of your uh, insight and support without giving some of my own. So um, please don't use my name on your podcast. I'm not ready for that yet. But you can mention that somebody from Rhode Island called if you if you want to, but don't feel like you need to at all. Um, And I'll probably hopefully call back and leave another message or post on your blog um, whenever I feel like I'm ready to and um, maybe I'll I'll share some more but if I don't that doesn't mean that I'm not listening it just means that I don't feel ready to for whatever reason so just thank you so much for everything that you're doing and um, I'll keep listening all right bye thanks secret listener Please, Brave Companions, post your support for our Brave Secret listener from Rhode Island by posting messages to her on day 64 or emailing me, and I will mention them on the next show. We look forward to hearing more from you, Miss Secret Listener, once you feel ready. Before I read you Kendra's Facebook comment that really kind of helped me decide to give up the scale, I want to give a quick shout out and thank you and tell you something I learned in therapy. Last episode, I almost crawled on my belly and admitted to you that I put a button on my website where you could buy me a $5 cup of coffee. That's a nice way of saying you can give me $5 if you want to support the show financially. But I felt super embarrassed and like a beggar and it's just like the Amazon link. It's like I say to you guys, here it is, but then I kind of bend myself into a pretzel giving you reasons why you should not feel obligated to support my show financially okay so I said I'm going to do this for my own good and I let it go at that I also promised you I would not mention it again unless I'm going to say thank you 
Well, I'm going to have to renege on that, but I'm also going to say thank you because guess what? Listener, who I'm going to refer to by the initial J, sent me the $5 through that button. And so I emailed this person and I said, oh my goodness, I never expected anyone to actually send me the $5. Thanks so much. I so appreciate it. I then wrote about something else, which I'll tell you about later in the week if it comes true. But anyway, I said, thanks so much for the support. I'll try to do better at remembering to add photos to Instagram too. Lori. Well, I said that because this particular listener likes to use Instagram and was instrumental in me trying to do stuff on Instagram because I'm a real newbie at it and I keep forgetting to put my photos on Instagram. So now that this person is supporting me, even with this one-time gift, that reminds me that I am going to try to support this person and other people that use Instagram more by putting my photos there. And this is what this person wrote back to me. It's absolutely my pleasure. I even used Amazon one day for a book. I know that you are worried to ask for support, but most people who listen to podcasts are aware that they ask for subscription fees or have Amazon banners. I buy everything through Amazon for a former radio show that got forced out, so now it's only a podcast. It is kind of hidden, so just make it a little bigger, bolder, or move it up a bit. As long as it's not a requirement, people will want to support you. You can say, if you want to support this show without any cost to you, just set my Amazon banner on your favorite bar and remember to click through it. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it helps keep the lights on or create a funny tagline. I currently send $5 a month to three podcasts, and then she mentions which one she does. And she says, I just heard your podcast from the other Perfection show. You represented the Brave Companions well. Again, I'm happy to support you. Take care, Lori, because I care. Okay, brave companions. I talked about this with my therapist the other day. I said, okay, this person gave me the $5, and I feel kind of like a worm that I'm taking $5 from this person who's been so supportive in many ways of my show. And I feel kind of like a worm for saying to the Brave Companions, there's an Amazon banner on my site. If you click through, I'm going to get some money. And the crux of it is, just like a lot of my eating issues, it's my low self-worth. My default automatic response is to feel that I'm not worth anything. And if for some reason you guys think I'm worth something, whether it's your time your comments, or especially your money, then I feel secretly that you just haven't figured out that I'm no good yet, that I'm somehow fooling you into believing that I'm good at what I'm doing and that I'm worthwhile. Now, consciously, of course I don't think that. I've been very honest with you on all my feelings, and I can realize in my logic that what I have to say has been helping you guys just to have someone who will say out loud some of the things that are in our compulsive brains. And I know that even when I screw the heck up and admit to being pathetic or having trouble with the robot aliens or whatever shameful thing that I admit to you, you guys find comfort in that because it lets you know, one, that I'm human, and two, that I stand back up, and that three, you can love someone who isn't perfect. That means people can love you when you're not perfect. I understand all of that in my sort of rational brain. But the deep little girl Lori, the wounded Lori that has all kinds of crappy issues to deal with, is still not convinced that she is worthwhile. And I don't say this to tell you, all right, get your checkbook out and start sending the cash over. But I am going to do, as this supportive listener suggests and as my therapist suggests, is I'm going to make it more available to people to support me financially, whether it's making my Amazon banner more prominent or finding more products that might be good for you guys to buy through Amazon or when I'm done writing my book to make that available for many in some manner or to let you know that you can support the website by buying me a $5 cup of coffee, whatever that might be, I'm going to do it, and I might mention it, and I'm not going to apologize for it anymore, because like I alluded to last time, 
I trust that you guys know whether you want to support my show financially. That's your decision to make, not mine. And I'm going to start standing up for myself and just saying that, hey, guys, if you want to support me financially, I appreciate it because I do feel that I'm doing my best to do a quality job. And so if you can afford it and you feel that way, I appreciate your support. And I'm going to leave it at that. And I hope when I hear this, I will be proud and tell my therapist that I took a step out of bravery to shore up my self-esteem in a way that's assertive and not pushy, because that's my intention. Now, I've been getting a lot of great comments from several Brave Companions about the scale, why the scale might be a useful tool or tips on how I might give up the scale or thoughts on that. A lot of different people are giving me valuable feedback that helped me clarify my own feelings. Now, after hearing Alan's email response and thinking about how he's not really been using the scale or ways to measure, I then also got this from Kendra on Facebook. I think it was today. Hi, Lori. I just wanted to mention something. I know that you are kind of stuck at a certain weight, which is good. Yes, good. Stabilizing means that you are doing something right. I have found that my body had to go through a diet detox. I was the same weight for a really long time, and I think that was because my body was afraid of being forced to, again, eat less. I think this is just our body safety mechanism. It is going to hold on to this weight for dear life because it is so used to being starved. Once your body starts to trust the fact that it will be nourished regularly, the weight will move again, or it may not. Use health as a measure. For example, you walk, bike, etc. so much. If you were not healthy, you wouldn't be able to do this. Also, you are going to gain muscle with all of this exercise. This is a good thing. The BMI never takes into account muscle mass or body frame. If you're happy, that is the key. Also, thinking about when you are 70 years old, will today's extra piece of fruit matter? Will you remember? Enjoy life. Meet new people. And maybe together you and I will remove the batteries from the scale. Should I challenge you and me laughing out loud? Well, dearest Kendra, you don't have to take batteries out of your scale, but I'm going to take the scale out of my life for now. If nothing else, it will be a good experience and give me something to talk about with you brave companions. But it really was comforting for me to know that, Kendra, you've gone through this same thing. And that the fact that my body is kind of hanging on, because you guys know that I've been between 208 and 209, and I think I've been there for like two or three months now. I've just been here, hanging around forever, and my clothes are actually fitting me a little bit more loosely. So Kendra, I think you're right that I may be actually putting on some, some muscle definition. I'm not sure. I mean, it's not like my clothes are hanging off of me, but definitely, you know, like how when your pants zip up a little easier, you know, when you take your pants out of the dryer and you're like, oh no, I have to lay down on the bed because I forgot to dry my pants on low. I haven't had that feeling for some time. I can take my pants right out of the dryer even if I forgot and put them on high and I can zip them up just fine. So I think that's a good, a good scheme of things. So I'd have to say that I've really, really been mulling all of this around. And I'm proud of myself, not only for the decision I came to today, but also that I didn't make it until it felt ready inside myself. Just like intuitive eating is about trusting your inner self to tell you when you're actually hungry for food and when you're not hungry any longer or when you're satisfied. And to that end, you know, on some days I have to eat until I'm more full in order to be satisfied. Like I might have to eat more dinner today because of my bike ride this morning. My body might say, hey, we burned some calories and we're hungry now, so feed us some more, or might not. But whatever it takes till I get that feeling of satisfaction, I eat to that, whether that's a light meal or a more heavy meal, depending on the day. And I'm trying to learn to feel that way about other aspects of my life. What feels good to me inside? What is the thing 
that I want to do because I want to do that. And I know I've mentioned it many times, but having 50 years of compulsive overeating, covering up my own thoughts and wishes, coupled with perfectionism and people-pleasing, I really never knew what did I, Lori, want in the absence of some external person telling me or some measurement or some scale or something else telling me. For me, just to kind of sit back and say, hey, this is what I want, that's a big deal. And on that topic, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the meeting I went to on Wednesday. You might like to go to compulsiveovereatingdiary.com and look for this blog post that I wrote called I'm Much More Than Compulsive Eating. And I wrote this on Wednesday, and I'm going to read a little bit of it to you now before I tell you the rest of the story. Who am I? In less than two hours, I'll be driving out to meet a group of people whom I've never met. They are a social and networking group of working voice actors and people interested in voice acting. As you might know if you listen to my podcast, I am not a working voice actor. I am a lady who decided to do an experiment and talk out loud attached to a digital recorder with a collar mic about compulsive eating while walking and hiking. Yowzers, what an odd idea. How do I explain that to anyone who doesn't understand? Then I write some more things about my feelings, and you can read it on the website. And while you're there, you can sign up for email notification on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com if you'd like to know when I do post blogs or podcast episodes. Anyway, I continue. I feel like I'm too old for such nonsense, and yet somewhere there is still a spark of interest and what-if stirring. I've been fairly successful talking about my compulsive eating issues, and I will continue with that. But once food is no longer my master, once its hold is no longer the glue that holds my life together, nor the excuse of why I can't even try, what then? Who am I under it all? Who am I to go to a meeting designed for folks who know their path, who have had talent and training and who have actually booked a job or two? Who am I to dare to be something new? And I go on some more getting out my terror and feelings before I actually leave to go meet these new folks. And I drove there and I had just parked my car and was walking on the sidewalk to the restaurant and I was sweating like mad and wanting to escape and make an excuse to you all for not following through and going to the meeting when I checked my email on my phone as a delaying tactic, you know, oh, let me just check my email here before I have to actually walk in the door. And Donnie, bless her, had just left me this comment. Lori, you are so awesome. This is so exciting. Thanks for sharing, and I'm proud of you. I'm learning so much from you, and I'm thankful you keep on keeping it so real. And that gave me the bravery push I needed to keep my chin up and to go meet the people. After I got home, Cheryl had written this. What a beautiful way to end your blog post, almost poetic. And you struck such a chord in me. How many dreams die because we choose practicality? So for right now, you are out there doing this for all of us, showing us the way to be brave. And I can't wait to hear how it went. So thanks, my friend, for the support. And now I'm going to tell Cheryl and the rest of the story to all of you of what happened that night. And then I'm also going to read my comment response to Cheryl because I think it sums up my feelings on the matter. Okay, basically when I was in college, I was an actor. I studied acting for three years in a very intensive program. And I did a lot of writing, I did directing, and I did acting. And I really enjoyed it and as part of that, we had some dealings with some voice directors who told me that I had a future in this industry. And that kind of made me feel good because to be honest with you, even back then, my body weight went up and down so much that in my early 20s, I think this was my late teens, early 20s when I was doing this, I didn't want to be a character actor or be the fat friend who had all of these jokes made about her being fat. That's one reason why, even though I loved acting, I kind of chickened out and went into education instead because I didn't see myself becoming ever thin enough to be the ingenue, and I just cringed at thinking of what kind of part would I, the fat chick, be getting. But voice acting, 
you know, they don't see you then if you are like selling the detergent on the commercial or best of all, like you're the voice of an animation character or you're doing audiobooks or something like that. You could be the beautiful princess. You could be, you know, the funny old witch or you could be a unicorn or any number of imaginary wonderful things. And none of it was limited by people's perception of you due to your body. So voice acting was something that was appealing, but I was too scared. I just couldn't convince myself to believe these voice directors who actually gave me their cards and wanted to recommend agents in the Northwest for me to follow up. I just couldn't believe it. And I was paying my own way through college. I was self-supporting since the day I was 18. I moved out of my house and I was on my own to pay for my stuff. And I just could not trust that somehow I was going to make money doing something like this that sounded so fun or that I had an interest in. I just didn't believe it. So for me to go actually say out loud, I want to know some voice actors here in LA where there's people actually doing this work. I mean, they're making money at it and they're doing it. Now, different levels of how much money and how often they book jobs, but they're actually doing it. And it's like a real thing. It isn't like a pie in the sky, let's sit around and wish we were doing it. These are people who are doing it. And I found this group on Meetup and I asked if I could join and they said yes, because this isn't just for the working actors, but for anybody who has an interest. And I, I fit that, I have an interest, but still I felt really scared, really unworthy to kind of cross this threshold because I have no experience since those 30 years ago or more that I had some contact with the voice acting world outside of my podcast, which really isn't the same thing as voice acting because I can say whatever I want to say in any voice I want and I can edit it myself to be anything. It's not really the same thing as having to hit a, a time clock of doing the acting copy for a commercial or for a character. And I thought, who am I really? Who am I to show up there at my age and butt into a group of people that are actually trying to do this as a career? Now, mainly what I went there for, besides to be brave to myself, is I thought, you know, I would like to know, do I actually have the chops not to get a job right now. I know for a fact I don't because voice acting, like any form of acting, is a craft and it takes skill, it takes practice, and it, it takes some work. But like any other talent or anything else, if someone works with you and can give you a critique, if you can take that critique, you might know, is this worth pursuing? And if you give it a go through a good class or otherwise, you can figure out, do I actually have an interest in doing what it takes to follow up on this? But in order to have that clarity, I'm at the point where I actually need to have some kind of experience to see, one, do I actually like doing this like I, I think I do in my head? And two, do I, have, do I have the capability of getting good enough through hard work and learning and taking criticism to actually have a shot at it. I need to know who can I trust to give me that critical feedback because there's a lot of people in LA and elsewhere who'd be more than happy to take your money, but they really aren't giving you true critical feedback. They're just in the business of taking wannabes money. So one of my things I wanted to know is, hey voice actors, can you give me some guidance on who would be a good class or what good program in college or where do you think is there actually some places where I might gain some of this experience and to see how I feel about it. And that was my intention on going. And when I walked in the door, I met the organizer of this group and introduced myself and he said, oh, hey, I was just reading your intro and tell me a little bit more about your experience, which was pretty easy since it's kind of nil. But he welcomed me anyway, and then I met some other people, both who were almost as new as me, some that had been into the group before, and they were very friendly. 
I did feel like maybe I talked about myself a little too much to one of them or two of them. But then I kind of hit my stride and asked questions about the, their experiences and got some good information, including some good recommendations for classes or people that might be able to give me critical feedback. So it kind of works like a networking thing where we talked and had drinks or ate. And then they have a topic of the month where everybody gives their feedback on the particular topic. And this topic was pretty interesting. It was kind of like, how do you react when your loved ones give you the advice like, hey, are you sure you want to be doing that? You're not going to make it because out of care and concern for you, right? It's tough. It's tough to go into any form of show business. Let me tell you, it's really tough. And a lot of our loved ones, if they hear that that's your dream, including famous working actors who tell their kids, hey, don't go into the business because it's really, really tough. You know, how do you deal with that if that is your dream? So it was very interesting to hear all the perspectives of these actors of how, what they think about that. So I really enjoyed it. I came away with some new friends. I thanked the people. They were very friendly and I'm hoping to go again. Now, I want to read to you what I said to Cheryl to sum up the lessons that I learned by going through this experience. Cheryl, we all have dreams and desires and wants. I think we too have regrets. I struggle with the regret aspect because I, like most of us, often did what I had to do to survive or to keep on keeping on. It's very popular these days to feel that if we aren't living our passion as a career or as the main aspect of our lives, our lives are just a little bit less. In therapy, I'm learning that all of our choices make us who we are. Just like eating, some days I feel like a light salad, some days ice cream, some days a steak. My life choices all entailed the best I could do with the information and experience I had at that point. However, I must say I am very grateful to have found some more passion in my life after retirement. Do I wish I'd pursued it earlier? On the surface, yes. But below, I'm starting to think no. I'm ready now for what I must face. Passion isn't all roses. It's risk and failure and disappointment. And to grow, I must accept true criticism without letting it devastate me. Do you know what I mean? I had such a thin skin as well as nice thick padding that I don't think I could have survived any true attempt at singing, acting, voice acting, writing, or even actively pursuing paid speaking. Will I have success at any of these now? I don't know. But I am feeling that I am finally understanding the journey is the thing with all of these dreams and pursuits. I'm getting slowly to the stage where trying for real is as fulfilling or more so than the actual moment of accomplishment. Just like I'm slowly getting to where living well in my own skin is better than weighing less. Lots to ponder. Amazing what your comments bring up in me. Thanks so much for taking the time to share your thoughts and feelings and with the other brave companions, my friend. So brave companions, I just have one last thing before we wrap up for today, and that is, remember our brave companion, Helen, who was on the bravery report for admitting that she was Helen and not Lucy. She has been going back through our different shows to get caught up with us, and she hit episode 35, which was the one about the brave companion listener who I gave the pseudonym of Gracie to, and it was called Bonus, A Gift of Grace, Please support Gracie recovering from anorexia. And Helen wrote this. Hi, Gracie. I'm a bit behind everyone, but I wanted to post on here to you and tell you that you are not alone. Although I have no experience of anorexia myself, just compulsive overeating, I wanted to at least send hugs your way, if nothing else. I think the best advice I can give is that you are not alone and we all care. Also, to take each day as it comes, good luck, and lots of hugs to you and everyone else. So I wanted to tell Helen, one, thanks for giving your support to Gracie. And two, I want to give you guys kind of an update. At the time that we did the Gracie episode, the person who I gave the name of Gracie emailed me and gave me comments to give back to the Brave Companions who had offered support. 
But then this listener, Gracie, never wrote back again. And this is one of the Brave Companion listeners who I have emailed from time to time just to say, I'm thinking of you. But I don't know why I've never heard back. It could be that this person got into therapy and the therapist felt that listening to a compulsive overeating show might trigger some things. It might be that she felt that it wasn't in her interest or she might be having a bad time and therefore didn't want to listen any longer. I don't know the answer. I'm going to assume that she's doing well and it's related to her self-care to not listen and not communicate with us. But if I'm mistaken, and Gracie, you're not communicating with me or posting any longer under your regular name or under the pseudonym of Gracie because of shame, I want you to know that we all still care about you. We love you. And I would really love to hear from you just to know that you're okay. But if for whatever reason you're listening and you don't feel like commenting, that's okay too. I just really want to take this opportunity, and thank you, Helen, for providing me this opportunity to tell you, Gracie, that I really do care. And so, brave companions, we've covered a lot of territory today. I can't even really give you a good summary. But whatever you do, I wish you to look deep inside your heart and to do what serves you and feels best to you from what your heart has to tell you. Until next time, please take care because I really, really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. And there I'll sit, I'll admit that I was only just a guest inside my skin.